Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 909. If you've been listening to our show for a while, you may have heard some of our audio postcards, which our Freya McGregor began sending from her many birding trips. And many listeners have picked up on it and sent us audio postcards, and Kimberly Mutu is one of those, and she sent us a postcard all the way from the land of the long white cloud, New Zealand. Hi, Kimberly here on the southern end of the Coromandel Peninsula, on the Firth of Thames in New Zealand. I'm standing on an 8,500 hectare intertidal mud flat at the Miranda Shorebird Sanctuary. This is the spot where Arctic migrants coming down to New Zealand come to spend their winter, or in New Zealand, their summer, October through March. Birds around me are the redneck stint, red knots, Pacific Golden Plovers, and the champions of the flyway, the bar-tailed godwits, who have now flown 1,200 kilometers to come down from the Arctic Circle and be here along these beautiful mud flats. The tides are coming in. It'll be high tide in about 30 minutes. And as I was watching, an absolute blanket of godwits covered the sky. They're so beautiful, and they're off just in the distance right now, about 3,000 of them. What you hear in the background are the Eurasian skylarks, which are singing and singing away right around me. Have a wonderful morning. Bye-bye. Thank you, Kimberly. Yes, those bar-tailed godwits. We heard about that one called B6 that just broke the migration record uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess. Well, also the Southern Hemisphere, some disturbing yet hopeful news. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has just enacted protections for the emperor penguin under the Endangered Species Act, citing the impact of climate change on sea ice habitat, where the penguins spend most of their lives. The good news is that the endangered status will promote international cooperation for conservation strategies, increase funding for conservation programs, and require federal agencies in the U.S. to act to reduce threats to the emperor penguin. And speaking of emperors, congratulations are in order to a good friend of ours, Jeff Hall, Senior Director of Advancement for the Audubon Society of Rhode Island, has just been named Audubon Rhode Island's new Executive Director. Jeff takes over from the retiring Larry Taft. Congratulations, Jeff, from all of us here at Talking Birds. Here's a little Talking Birds news, the latest edition of our newsletter that we call The Trumpeter. topped by a banner featuring a trumpeter swan in flight. A beautiful graphic created by the great Joy Schmall is now available for your reading pleasure. 
You can find the newsletter newsletter at TalkingBirds.com under the Read tab. And you have the option to subscribe while you're there so you can get future installments uh, automatically as soon as they're published. Last week, we announced the grand prize winner of our Make Your Own Swag contest. And the prize was that beautiful Vortex HD Viper spotting scope. Adam Bradley from Reno, Nevada was the winner. As we mentioned briefly last week, Adam is a serious birder. He's working for Bedford Audubon in New York this fall, counting raptors at Chestnut Ridge Hawk Watch. He says he'll use the new scope for everything from counting pine cones on Cassia Crossbill projects and waterbird surveys in Mackinac to scoping raptors during spring and fall in Montana, Oregon, and California, and for daily birding. Adam is going to get some good use uh, from that beautiful scope. And by the way, next week we'll have some more exciting news in connection with our friends uh, there at Vortex. Mystery bird right there. Preview of our mystery bird contest. We have a bad habit of uh, almost running out of time at the end of almost every show, so we invite you to call in and urge you to call in early when we get to the contest in a little bit. And so we'll have time for that contest. Our mystery bird is a kind of a stocky songbird of the West and Southwest U.S. The male has a blue head, a blue throat, blue wings, an orange chest, and a blue belly. Female similar but duller in color. Our bird, which feeds mainland insects in summer, fruits and seeds in winter, tends to be found in small groups in open woods often seen perching on wires or fences. That's our mystery bird. This is a preview of the contest. Beautiful prizes, including from our wonderful new prize provider, Brome Wild Care, the Brome Mega 600 Metal Tube Feeder. It has all kinds of wonderful attributes, which we'll describe in a bit. Plus a $20 gift certificate to Wisdom Supply Company, named after the oldest recorded wild bird, Wisdom the albatross. More on that, too, coming up. And then we'll have a bonus prize if we have time for that bonus question on this morning's show. Here's a royal salute to some wonderful Talking Birds listeners who are ambassadors helping us to get the word out about birds and conservation, which is our aim here. And we're pretty excited that we have two new ambassadors from Canada. And the first one is our ambassador, Number 750, Lucas Forster from London, Ontario, Canada. He says he's looking forward to taking his personal longtime bird conservation ambassador actions to the next level, especially here in his neighborhood. He says, thank you, Lucas, and thank you to Chrissy Martin from Abbotsford, British Columbia, Canada. She says, I listen to the show when I drive between birding locations. I've learned so much and enjoy playing along with the Mystery Bird Contest. She also sent us a sweet photo of her six-year-old daughter, Haley, showing Haley's first time successfully using binoculars, which she used to see her lifer, long-billed curlew, or, sorry, long curlew, a rare bird in the area. And hello, Haley. Become a Talking Birds ambassador. It's easy to do. Just go to TalkingBirds.com and click where it says Get Involved and kind of follow the bouncing ball from there. Still to come today, we'll welcome back our bird note friend, Nick Byard, who tell us about an amazing trilingual radio show that he created and hosted in Paraguay. 
Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for a Let's Ask Mike segment, almost live from the archive, about some cool bird action in his Cape, Yod, uh, Cape Cod backyard. And up next, a bird from the southwest that was actually seen there on Cape Cod just this month is our featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Famous birder and author David Sibley tells the story of how he and a friend were driving along a road somewhere in the American Southwest when they thought they'd caught a glimpse of a bright red bird on a telephone wire. Almost simultaneously, they called out the name of the bird and pulled over to the side of the road and backed up to get a better look. It was only when they'd gotten close enough to be certain of their ID that they realized that they'd actually seen a piece of red cloth that had gotten wrapped around the wire. David offers this story as proof that it's easy to make a mistake through a quick glimpse and a flash of color. Or the bird that they thought they'd seen? Well, it sounds like this. And the male flashes an almost all red body with a prominent black eye stripe and dark gray wings and tail. It's the vermilion flycatcher. The female has almost no red at all, save for a pinkish wash on the lower belly with a streaked white breast and lighter gray wings and tail. The vermilion flycatcher is seen in the U.S. mostly in the deep southwest and occasionally along the Gulf Coast and in South Florida. Our bird typically feeds by sitting and waiting on an open perch, then flying out to catch its airborne insect prey. As part of its courting ritual, the male vermilion flycatcher often delivers a butterfly or other showy insect to the female and performs a spectacular display, fluttering up to 30 feet above the treetops, singing all the while. It's definitely a bird worth seeing, so next time you're driving along a southwestern road and see a piece of red cloth on a telephone wire, be sure to pull over. It just might be a vermilion flycatcher. Pyrocephalus obscurus. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show, number 909 here at Talking Birds. Well, we spoke with Nick Byard uh, back in early October about his work as executive director of the independent media production, Bird Note. And we've invited him back to talk about something else today. He first, I think we could say, fell in love with birds 17 years ago during an environmental education residency at the Teton Science Schools in Wyoming. He went on to join Peace Corps Paraguay as a volunteer in environmental education. And during his service, he created and co-hosted a trilingual weekly radio show focused on environment and health topics called in English, The Hummingbird's Good News. And that's our topic with him this morning as he joins us from Tacoma, Washington. Good morning, Nick. Morning, Ray. Happy to be here. Great to have you back again, uh, Nick, about something, as we said, uh, entirely different, a trilingual radio show. I mean, doing a, you know, a single language radio show is hard enough sometimes, but a trilingual show, what, what was it and, and where'd you get the idea from? 
Well, I have to say, Talking Birds has uh, much better sound effects than my uh, my radio show had. Uh, but I got the idea from um, from other Peace Corps volunteers that had done the same thing in Paraguay hmm. over the years. Um, Paraguay is one of the um, the most populated uh, countries of of Peace Corps volunteers in the world. Hmm. Um, there's just general been good relations between uh, between the U.S. and Paraguay when it comes to international development and. Um, the the language that's most commonly spoken in Paraguay is called Guarani, which is an indigenous language. And Paraguay is one of the only countries in the world where the, the indigenous language became one of the national languages. Hmm. So Spanish and Guarani are the two national languages of Paraguay. And English, you know, in most parts of the country, it's just kind of a novelty. And so uh, the, the the show itself was primarily in in Spanish and Guarani. Uh, occasionally we bring in some English just for fun or, or some, some music, um, uh, you know, with English, uh, English lyrics and the translation, but, um, it was really, uh, a way for, for different folks to connect, um, because most of the folks in the rural parts of the country speak Guarani, most of the pe- people in the, in the city speak Spanish. So we tried to, um, we try to cover all demographics. Mm-hmm. So three languages, English, Spanish, Guarani, so how did you sort of uh, do this mechanically in terms of how, how would you know which language to use for some various aspects of the program, for example? Well, I, I learned a lot about the country in my in my training. The Peace Corps does a good job of um, immersing volunteers in, in a country's culture and language for three months before they send them out to their sites where they do their projects for two years. And uh, by the time I got out to my site, uh, I had a decent sense of, you know, when when Guarani would happen, when Spanish would happen. And um, a lot of folks kind of switch back and forth between the two languages mm-hmm. as they go. If, if they're talking about something maybe technical, Spanish will come out because um, there aren't a lot of technical words in Guarani. Like, um, you know, there were, there, were no, there were no cows or computers or bicycles when the Europeans came over. And so um, those languages were kind of absorbed into into Guarani. So instead of uh, saying vaca in Spanish, you'd say vaca in Guarani, but it, it clearly comes from the Spanish. So it, 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 was, um, it was a mix. Mm-hmm. So what kind of response uh, did you get? I think I, I recall you telling me you'd go kind of walking through a, a village and you'd, you'd hear the radio on uh, with, uh, with your station there. It was a really powerful medium, and I just I fell in love with radio as a medium, uh, as a way to connect people because it was um, it was just everywhere. It was on the buses, it was in people's homes. This is before many folks had TVs or cell phones, and definitely before social media. Mm-hmm. And so it was just it was the it was the the, the main way that that folks learned what was happening. Uh, and so I, I, I saw that pretty quickly, and then visited the radio station, and um, I talked to the general manager, and I just said, hey. I'm I'm here for two years and I would love to host a show once a week. What do you think? And he said, "Sure." Wow, <laughs> it was it was that simple. Wasn't that easy for us getting our show on the air? But that's a whole another story. So you connected <laughs> you connected uh, with schools, right? And you did bird walks kind of all tied in with this. We did, yeah. We there was a um, chapter of BirdLife International called Gura Paraguay. And uh, they did amazing work with um, with bird walks, bird conservation, and we would take uh, student groups out with them, mostly in the uh, sort of the the uh, the mud flats around Asuncion. Uh, you see wood storks and um, birds of prey and things. Um, just a- amazing 
prehistoric looking birds. Um, and uh, there were just a, a couple of great uh, ornithologists that would, that would come out with us and, and share the love of birds and, and do exactly, you know, the kind of thing that you and I do um, through our, through our shows is connect people to, to the, um, the joy and wonder of birds. Well, you educated a lot of people for, for sure. What about your own education? What would you say you, you biggest thing you learned from this experience and maybe how you apply it to, to your work now? I still think the audio medium is really powerful and, and radio and podcasts is a great way to connect uh, with folks. Um, I think I think something that uh, I tend to forget that, that uh, I, I learned in Paraguay was the power of humor is that um, people enjoyed the content of, of our show. They enjoyed hearing about, you know, the health issues or the environmental issues we talk about. But the thing that really got them to light up was the, was the humor. We, I would, I would learn jokes throughout a given week and then I'd tell a few jokes on the air. And then people would, by the time I got back to my community, people would just be laughing when they saw me and they'd tell me the joke back and then we'd laugh together and it was just, uh, there's something magical there. So that's something that, um, I don't know if that quite answers your question, but it, it's something that I want to remind myself of is that um, humor is just a, a really powerful connector in, mm-hmm. in, in, a, in the same way that, that nature can be. Wow. Well, I, I know we, we talked about your, you know, having recordings of these programs. You haven't been able to uncover those, but um, you're still working on that, right? We hope to be able to hear one of these sometime. I think somewhere there are some cassette tapes uh, covered in dust. Uh <laughs> Uh, maybe they're still in Paraguay. I, I need to check, but um, I did. I did take a look to see if um, our radio station is still uh, up and running down there. It, it's still going strong. One hundred four point five uh, Radio Kindu is the <laughs> right. name of the the station. So maybe they have some. Uh, we're almost out of time, Nick. But I know you have an event coming up with Christian Cooper, who's of course in the big in the news the last couple. Yeah, years. we're we're thing. thrilled about that. And uh, as you know, and and I think a lot of your audience might know that uh, Bird Note is an independent public media organization. We've been around about 18 years. And um, as an independent station, we we do our own own fundraising. And uh, at the end of every year is when that really ramps up. And Christian Cooper uh, has offered to be our keynote speaker at this year's fundraiser, which is uh, which is amazing. It's on December 1st, two, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And if you go to birdnote.org, uh, you can sign up. And it's it's going to be a one hour um, kind of lunchtime conversation with 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 Chris uh, about the power of individual action. And we're also going to get to hear from him about his upcoming show on National Geographic called Extraordinary Birder and also his upcoming memoir. So I'm I'm just thrilled to you know get the chance to talk to him and have a chance for our audience to hear um, his perspective and, and what he's been up to. Christian Cooper, of course, in the news when he was accused of uh, doing something untoward when he was bird watching in Central Park. And it, uh... um, he he was uh, the uh, white woman called the police on him mm-hmm. for asking her to to put her dog on a leash, um, mm-hmm. and and sort of you know weaponized the the, the racial aspects of mm-hmm. policing in America. And it, it was a big uh, it was a big wake up call for a lot of uh, folks who who aren't aware of those issues. Um, and the way he was able to communicate that, I think, was was powerful and important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's he's an important leader for. Uh, inclusion and and safety when it comes to birding. Nick Byard is executive director of BirdNote. You can find out more about him and BirdNote at that email or this address, birdnote.org. Nick, thank you. I don't have to say keep up the good work because I know you will, but thanks for being with us. 
Thanks. Same to you, Ray. Coming up next, our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. It's our mystery bird. Please call us as soon as you can with your guess or your definitive answer to what this bird is. A kind of a stocky songbird of the west and southwest. The male has a blue head, a blue throat, blue wings, and an orange chest and a blue belly. Female similar but duller in color. What is this mystery bird? Beautiful prizes from our new wonderful prize provider, Brome Wild Bird Care. It's the Brome Mega 600 Metal Tube Feeders. It has six seed ports, four-pound capacity for seed, and a patented seed tube ventilation system. This is really cool and important. It permits or permits a humidity and hot air to escape through vents at the top of the feeder, so replacing it with fresh air so the bird food remains fresher and, of course, attracting more wild birds. And a new regular mystery bird contest prize from our friends at Wisdom Supply Company, a $20 gift card for their thoughtfully designed plastic-free, zero-waste school and office supplies. So give us a call and tell us what you think that mystery bird is. 781-837-4900 is the number. That's 781-837-4900. Mike is almost live from the archive. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology, from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautiobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautiobooks.com. Quest Nature Tours has offered exceptional tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. In 2023, join us to Quest for the Quetzal in Costa Rica or our brand new Zambia Safari. See amazing wildlife and explore habitats with travel companions who truly enjoy nature. Talkin' Birds listeners receive a $150 credit towards their first tour. Visit QuestNatureTours.com today. Birds and much more. Guaranteed. Thank you, Mike O'Connor, for joining us again here on uh, Talking Birds with our Let's Ask Mike segment. And good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Ray. <laughs> and I want to say, I, I took a beach walk the other day and I saw some trash and I thought of you. Uh, how do you mean that exactly? <laughs> <laughs> 
That well, bears you know, explaining. You're always, you know, encouraging birds to pick up trash, and yeah. I found a bunch of mylar balloons several times. And it seems like you mentioned it once, and now I find them every time I go, and I'm popping them and picking them up. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you calling that to everybody's attention because they were out there, yes, and I got them. So. They are. Well, thank you. Thank you for for doing that. And uh, well, you were out. Well, this is not while you were out there, but you've been you've been hearing some. Oh, have you been hearing some calls? Of great horned owls. Or, wait, I think I hear one. Hear one now. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Listen, to that going back and forth. Yeah, right now, owls can be heard. Great horned owls, or all owls, can be heard any time of the year. But early winter is during the breeding season. But fall also, they announce their territory and they reestablish their pair bonds by calling back and forth. And they, boy, they were going back and forth in my yard the other night. You know, I stood out there in the cold and they were just back and forth, back and forth. And there's a lot of young owls now that are looking for territories. So these, and great horns tend to stay in the same territory year round. So these established adults didn't want any usurpers moving in. So they were calling back and forth, kind of keeping in touch with each other. And it was, it got pretty rough as, as you know, they start off calling, and then there's a space in between, and then they call, and there's a space. But then they get kind of worked up, and then pretty soon they were, like, uh, calling back and forth, and they're actually interrupting each other. They were like an old married couple finishing. I'm talking here. Yeah, right. They was going back and forth. But what's cool is the owls, the females, which are uh, a larger bird, but they have a little bit higher pitch, and they're a little bit more animated, mm-hmm. and so you can actually tell the difference if... By the male and the female. There they go. There they go again. There, is that the female calling back there? And I think that's yeah. the female calling back. Calling right. Back, yeah. yeah, a little higher pitch. Yeah. So back, this is... Back and forth. This stuff they're doing now, not actually mating calls exactly, but sort of pre-mating, right? Pre-mating, yeah. Strengthening okay. their pair bonds. Yeah. And then also uh, announcing to whatever owls might be moving in or, or looking for a territory, this, this one's occupied. Mm-hmm. And come in. So it's kind of, you know, and a lot of the times we don't hear the owls because we have the TV cranked up, or the music, or we're talking, and now it's colder, so the windows are shut. But um, I don't know. I always seem to hear them, and, and my ears aren't really good anymore. But I can st- seem to tune in the owls, and you know, and like we'll be talking, all of a sudden I'll hop up, and I, there's the owls. Everybody looks at me like I've just lost my mind again. Oh, but. Um, this is the time of year. And the other thing is, I'm going to play this because I get this question a lot. People come in and they'll say, there's something awful screaming in my in my yard. And the, the young birds, the juveniles, still this time of year can be begging. And they have this kind of, I'm going to play this and hopefully I don't, you know, hit the wrong button and play like ACDC or something. <laughs> but this is the young one. You'll hear this screech. Well, maybe you won't hear this screech. Yeah, it's very, very subtle. I'm going to try okay. it one more time. Try it, yeah. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Our, our hearing has become attuned. Yes. We, I think we, we heard that. Oh, I heard that yeah. time? Yeah, we definitely heard that, yeah. So yeah, people, you that, know, that's the young ones. Okay. We're still trying to get food out of their parents, and they'll have that high-pitched, really high-pitched blood-curdling screech. Yeah. It kind of scares people. They, you know, they call me up, or they bring in a recording, or they mm-hmm. double-check to make sure their doors are locked. But it's basically the young ones that are still kind of chasing their parents around. All right. So, uh, keep it, keep your ears to the window this time of year because the great horns are talking. Turn down that radio so you can hear that. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Mike O'Connor at the Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. We'll be back to the Mystery Bird Contest at 781-837-4900 right after this.
Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. We barely have time to get to our mystery bird contest calls, but we'll do it if we can. Lisa is in Oxford, Massachusetts. Uh, good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Good morning. You heard our clues and all that stuff. What do you think about the uh, mystery bird? There? Is, it, is it the western bluebird? Let me check and see if it is. By base, yes. I go by what the audience says, and they, <laughs> they say yes. Western bluebird is correct. Congratulations, Lisa. Stay on the line, and we'll send you stuff. Thank you. All right, thank you. Lisa, uh, correctly identifying the western bluebird is our mystery bird. And before we go, I want to remind you, if you're on the Cape or going that way on vacation or something, uh, on November 19th, it's Hat Full of Potatoes Day at the Birdwatcher's General Store. Don't miss it. Just bring a big hat. Mike and his staff will fill it with potatoes, and we're not kidding, on November 19th, Saturday. That's our show for this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team. Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. The Bird Show. I like that. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com.